0: podcast i'm one of your hosts joshua tracy
1: i'm corwin Miller.
0: and today we are here to talk about a couple more golden globe nominees um the golden globes have happened as the, the recording of this episode so we can also chit chat a little bit about some of the winners uh but we are anyway we are here today to talk about the menu and avatar the way of water uh corin would you like to start on a remote island or the uh moon planet of pandora
1: um. Oh, I guess. Uh, I guess. We'll, let's just get Avatar out of the way.
0: Very apt way to put it. Um. All right. Avatar: The Way of Water was uh, released just this year. Uh, it is directed by James Cameron, written by James Cameron, Rick Jaffa, and Amanda Silver. The film stars Sam Worthington, Zoe Saldana, and Sigourney Weaver. Uh this film's budget, an estimated three hundred and fifty million dollars, which is fucking insane. Um it grossed 1.7 billion so far. That number continues to uh rise. So uh, where will the wheel stop? Nobody fucking I mean they could cross two billion dollars by the uh by the time this thing actually falls out of theaters. So who the fuck knows? Just what a ridiculous, ridiculous amount of money. Um, I don't see an immediate tagline for the film, at least available in IMDb. So I'm going to assume it doesn't exist, which is a-okay. Uh, we are talking about the film because it is currently nominated for several Golden Globes and therefore we anticipate it being nominated for some Oscars. Uh, it is nominated for Best Motion Picture Drama and best director motion picture for James Cameron. The film itself is about Jake Scully lives with his newfound family formed on the extrasolar moon Pandora. Once a familiar threat returns to finish what was previously started, Jake must, wor- must work with Neytiri and the army of the Navi race to protect their home. Ah, oh, Jesus. Um... I feel like this is kind of my pick, so I'll start so you can start with the menu. Um, Actually, you know, before I get into like an an, an beginning diatribe that we typically do, Corwin, I would like to know, where were you with the first Avatar? Came out in 2009, so obviously well before this podcast had started. I'm not sure we've ever actually really talked about it. Where are you with OG Avatar?
1: Um my family bought an incredibly large HD TV, our first HD TV to watch Avatar, um but because my father is just not a man who keeps up with technology instead of getting a fancy plasma flat screen or LED, he got a massive CRT which weighed no way. It, it took like 4 people to carry it into our base. In
0: 09 they still sold them?
1: Have you seen the TV in my basement? Have you been down there? Yeah. Yeah, we bought that in 09. And it I can't is believe something it. that we would not be able to carry out of our house. Like it will be chainsawed in half rather than be carried upstairs. Regardless, I didn't care for it. I, I thought it was super overhyped. I thought it was a James Cameron film, it was enjoyable but I did not think it had any right to have the hype that it did. Um I imagine you're very much in that same boat. I hated it. Yeah.
0: It, it I and I remember it hating it so distinctly because I I remember it being I think I think the first movie that had universal acclaim that I remember being like I don't like this. Yeah. Because agree yeah, you know, first, because there's like stages of liking movies when you're young, right? There's mm-hmm. I'm a child. I like every single movie. Every right. movie is amazing. And and then you become a teenager and you like start to find a niche of films that you know that you like, whether they mm-hmm. stay good for you in a few years or not. And and then you start getting a, a broader understanding of like what, what the awards audience and, and the the uh, um uh culture of people around what the like the zeitgeist of film appreciates both in terms of the bigger broader films that make Oscar nominations and in terms of the smaller independent films. Um and this was that first movie for me that really was like oh my god it's a commercial success it's a critical success it like won Oscars and I hated it. I hated the movie. Um it's not fun. Right. Like it, it's it, or it's, it's not good. It it was trying to live and breathe off of the back of these incredible visuals and the visuals are great Um, in just a way that that's not that sacrifices story entirely in ways that like doesn't feel like it should need to, you know, because that, that's the other portion of it. it. It's like it's not like they had to completely forego any attempt at good storytelling to make the give you the 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 feast and festival of visuals that it's attempting to do it's an odd way to need to sacrifice from a man who is a really fucking good storyteller um it's weird to see it go the way that it goes because this isn't like some joe schmo fucking nobody it's james cameron I, I mean, he Terminator Two, Terminator, Terminator Two, Alien, Aliens, uh, fucking, uh, Titanic. I, I mean, this is a guy who's made a, a living off of being a captivating storyteller in various genres, and so to have him just be like, ah, who fucking cares? It, essentially, for the story is like startling. So, anyway, that's all preamble to talk about this movie. And what I feel is now I've never revisited the first Avatar film because it's very long and I just so, don't fucking care. Um, so I I I can't measure my disappointment fully equally because you know, 14 years have passed. It's a significant amount of time. I don't have all the full recollection of my emotions at that period. Um and I don't recall fully the events of the first film. But I I feel very confident in my feelings to say this movie sucks even harder. Um, it's it's really, it's not a good movie. It's a complete fucking failure as a film. And it introduces so many ideas in both in terms of the writing and in terms of the uh, visuals that I think fall flat on their fucking faces in a way that is makes the movie feel, just kitschy it feels like the science fiction film that's playing in the background of another movie like it it, where it's like oh yeah i mean like i i get what's happening in the movie that's in the scene that's this movie's actually in there's a bunch of bad guys and they're being fought by good guys and for some fucking reason everyone's blue um (laughs) but it's it's horrendously bad storytelling I, i i mean uh, comically bad the science of everything makes me also have so many questions it, it's it's not interesting ever it really it never is what whatever you think is going to happen guarantee you it's going to happen and uh, i mean seriously take a wild stab at what you think might be the next thing that happens it does you nailed it i promise and uh you know what fuck the fucking visuals Fuck it. I, you know what's not? I, I get everyone saying, look how amazing the computer generation of these images is. You know what I don't care for? Three and a half hour, three hours and 15 minutes of computer generated flora and fauna. It's not interesting. It doesn't look real. Do people think it looks real? Everyone was like hemming and hawing over the underwater scenes. And all I kept thinking of was, get me out of here. I don't like it. I think it looks like piss. I fucking hated it. All right. Tell me what you thought.
1: I watched this in essentially like 240 P. So I it was can't meant to be talk seen. to the visuals. I basically watched this movie with uh like drunk goggles on. I could barely tell characters apart because I watched a terrible Oh, terrible I could torrent. not tell
0: the suns apart at all.
1: Uh no. Uh my torrent was so bad it had ads in it. <laughs> there were three separate ads. That stopped the film to play. <laughs> it was so fucking bad. I wanted to like download a new one, but I was like, "No, this is the ride we're in for." You don't really care about this movie anyway. It's just it'll be funnier if you stick with it. Um, I get and don't necessarily disagree with any of your points. Like the the writing, the story is fucking a joke. Like it's James Cameron. Like I think I have accepted that the days of, you know, aliens and the Terminator and Titanic are gone where you have these, you know, really enjoyable, but uh, also well-formed stories uh, in the package of James Cameron spectacle. Now you're just kind of getting the spectacle. And that was what, like 99% of the hype around the first film? And 13 years later, technology has advanced to the point where, like, that kind of thing isn't exciting anymore. Every film is, like, that's the bar. And it it doesn't do, like, don't get me wrong, I think this is a perfectly enjoyable movie to watch if you don't give a shit. If you want to get lost in the world and and you know you care about the characters and the planet and all that sure like you can enjoy watching this movie regardless of your thoughts on how it was written the problem is i don't care about this film i don't care about it and james cameron wants me to care about it so bad He's talking it up like this is like Mel Gibson talking about Passion of the Christ. Like this will change your life when you watch it. But I think it's kind of fallen to the point where like, yeah, I know you'd like this a lot, but like, why should I? Why why would I care? I don't get why $1.7 billion has been spent to watch a film that you have already seen.
0: Oh, and very much so that you have already seen very much so uh because it's so similar to the first one that i 14 years later having not whiffed the original plot in any way had it all come flooding back to me because this movie's this it's the first movie again it's just nuts um yeah you know i kept thinking while watching it just to speak to the visuals and then we'll actually start talking about the story um I kept thinking about how unimpressive the visuals were because there's nothing real against it. And every time there was something real against it, it looked kind of weird. Like the scenes where Spider, the, the human kid, and the Na'vi kids share screen time, it doesn't really look quite right. And I kept thinking about all of the incredible visuals we've seen in the years since. And the thing that stuck out to me, maybe unfairly, you know, maybe there's something bigger or better that I'm missing, whatever, was uh, the black hole from Interstellar. I kept thinking about that and how I was enraptured by it. Right? Me I mean, it's, me it's incredible. It's an incredible moment. It doesn't linger for too long. It's not the entire fucking movie. It is just this, you know, this one uh, incredible moment of some of the best VFX you're ever going to fucking see in your life, and it has it, you know, it has its screen time, and then and then it, it goes away, you know. It, it, it's incredible to look at, but it's not the world that the movie takes place in, and I think that is one. It's it's an incredible visual, so it's. I think that one visual is better than any single visual in this film. Uh and and two, by not spending your entire fucking movie on it, you might and it, granted, it's also you know outer space shit that we have no concept of real or or you know what where the faults might be, or there's no there's no ability to have an uncanny valley type feeling with something you don't interact with. Whereas with this film, you know, we spend the entirety of the film on Pandora looking at you know, leaves and dirt and water and shit. And I kept thinking, like, this looks like a computer-generated image.
1: I think another big difference is that black hole from Interstellar was monumental because we as a species, as humans, have never created that kind of image representation of a black hole before. There was actual groundbreaking science done to develop that image
0: the kind of leading published for one for um, the VFX creation of it and one for the advancement and the understanding of um, uh, oh there's a word for it I forget but yeah the sciencey bits I know what you mean
1: I have the book on it somewhere I read it years ago but that's the kind of leading edge visual Growth that should have $350 million spent on it if you're going to spend that kind of money on a film. Nothing in the sequel to Avatar is something that could not be shot in real life. Like, you can go to Australia and film the ocean and the reefs and get 90, 95% of the style and imagery that you want and you could use CGI to grow on top of that and add things in if your heart so desires we don't need to have it be 100% procedurally generated or not procedurally generated but you know computer generated imagery It, if we already know what it looks like using computer VFX doesn't wow us you're creating something that we already have a better visual interpretation of rather than something new and i get that it was very very leading edge in 2009 because it was it's not anymore It it's like if the cowboys came back and they're like hey we're gonna re- the same offense we ran in in nineteen ninety five, and we're going to go back and win the Super Bowl, and they spend three hundred million dollars to do it. Great, that's a huge thing. A lot of people are going to care about and spend a lot of money to watch. It's not new.
0: No, I, not you're one hundred percent right. It, it's no longer the cutting edge, and to that effect, it has to compete with. If you go and and watch. I'm going to sound like such an old crotchety fucking man, whatever. If you go back and watch like the African queen, which also takes place in, you know, large jungle atmospheres, or you go back and and watch um, uh, Apocalypse Now, which has lush jungle atmosphere or or, uh, set, like you're going to have a sense of awe around the, the environment, you know, the 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 way that the jungle is shot in those films is incredible, you know, and speaking of underwater photography like it's existed forever. There's a I mean, one of the best bits of underwater cinematography I've ever seen is from 1955 to the Night of the Hunter, you know, like it, it's also not new and it's not even new to James Cameron. He has a ton of underwater shit, you know, so like for everyone to I don't know for people to be. Losing themselves in what is essentially computer-generated versions of things we have real-life versions of that are infinitely more impressive. Like watching a Discovery Channel or a, a Animal Planet thing on actual whales is going to look so much better than this because oh it's God, not going to yeah. be the uncanniness of it.
1: And when you watch, you know, a documentary or or something that was shot. In the world that we live in, not Pandora. There's that sense of awe where, oh, my God, that's something that exists. Like, that's real. Like, that's something that we share a planet with. I'm not going to be wowed by Avatar because I know it's fake. And it doesn't matter how good it looks. Knowing that it's fake and isn't real is always going to take away from the fact that, you know, it's there. Like, Star Wars is fucking blows my mind especially when i was a kid and i first watched it if i watched a fucking documentary where some guy made an actual honest to god lightsaber i would lose my fucking shit because one is real and one is fake and it doesn't matter how cool it is if it's fake you know it's fake and it loses a fair amount of that wow
0: yeah, and one of the things that Star Wars also, you know, where, where it can find its success and its impressive visuals, even to this day, is that it has the ability to present to you something that you don't have a familiarity with where you're going to compare it. You know, you're not going to like have a screen it. wipe. Yeah, oh, I, I meant more like, you know, the <laughs> uh, ship that crawls across the beginning, the screen at the beginning, you know, like you don't have a frame of reference for that. Most people, you know, most of us don't have a. Any kind of up close interaction with you with, with a spaceship, you know, so to see it, something like that crawl across your screen it, it is going to feel impressive as long as it looks real enough to where you can convince your eyes that it's real. Whereas, again, like looking at a plant or, or an animal that isn't, it isn't really there, that's going to be tough, you know, like because we have a comparison to make and the second you can make it and it doesn't quite line up, it's going to look off, which this film does a lot. Anyway,
1: especially if you watch film. it as a camcorder recording uh, from a the movie theater. It's especially very off uh,
0: for reference. My, my viewing experience was in theaters. Uh, five of those dollars, uh, five of those $1.7 billion are mine. Um, Shout out to your local God, nonprofit. God, capitalist poor. That's right. Well, technically, my money goes to support a nonprofit, so eat my dick. Um, yeah, uh, but it was a regular two two D experience. No, no three D. Not. It wasn't a high. The, Did you the, see the first one in three D? I actually, you know, what's funny? I don't remember how I viewed the the first one. I do not remember if I saw it after it had hit. Um, DVD, I don't remember if I saw it in theaters I feel like I must have seen it in theaters because I don't think I ever watched it on TV so I must have seen it in theaters but I don't recall seeing it if I saw it in 3D, it doesn't stick out to me I'll put it that way
1: Honestly, the more I think about it, I don't know if this is uh, Mandela effect, but I feel like I did see it in 3D but the whole story of me buying the TV would make sense
0: That was also a big deal at the time. 3D was having a huge moment in 2009 again. The ebb and flow of 3D as a viable... How happy
1: are you that, that, you know, with 3D TVs and everything that they were advertising and tried to push, like, how happy are you that those did not catch on?
0: So stupid, man. They were so... I mean, the, the 3D TVs... 3D TVs and at the same time the curved TVs? So dumb. Curved curved computer
1: monitors are
0: awesome. Totally fine. And you know, because it makes sense. One person is looking at it, so you can have a position at an optimal angle for just you. I mean, could you imagine trying to all gather around a TV that is inherently inhibiting your view if you're not directly staring at it? So dumb. Anyway, anyway, we have to prevent this from being a three-hour-long podcast. No. Let's talk talk about about
1: all the things we hate. In modern consumerism
0: there's so many but let's let's talk about the actual plot of this movie um so so basically uh sam worthington who feels the need to remind you that he is also still alive by being in this movie um does a lot of vo work do you remember if there was vo in the original i had that thought too while I, was watching
1: I don't think that. there was
0: yeah because it felt it felt like you know, i was watching a teen drama you know, like there might as well have been a record scratch. Like, I bet you're wondering how I got here because tonally that's where it's at. And then the voiceover basically says that. Um, And it, it I just want to talk about this one moment at the beginning because it really like it was not a good starter for me for the film. It immediately made me hate the movie as much as I was expecting to, which is uh, Jake gives us a whole big, long intro to the. The world and the characters, it was very much so a welcome back to Pandora kind of thing. Um, and he caps it off by saying, uh, how well he's been speaking Navi. And you know, he's he's he said basically he's just something to the effect of, uh, I Navi has become so natural to me, it all sounds like English. And everyone was speaking Navi in that scene, and all of a sudden, the, the Navi language dissipates back into English. And the rest of the film, we are to assume that the rest of the film is them speaking Navi, but we hear it as English. <laughs> I hated
1: it. Um, just don't care that much. Just, hey, this is a stupid movie for stupid people.
0: Well, it. It's wild because it feels like James Cameron was like, I want to have a language. You know, Tolkien had a language. Um George, what's his face that that came up with uh, Star Trek had 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 a couple languages like I want to have a language. And so he spends this time to make a language. There's clearly a language. And then in the opening scenes of the movie, he's like, yeah, I made this language. But honestly, bro, fuck this language <laughs> and just throws it away. I mean, could you imagine if every scene in like Lord of the Rings where they're speaking Elvish or or Dwarvish, they just go like, "Ah, it's English. But like, you know, you know what language they're really talking. If
1: they spoke it only amongst the family in English. okay. if they didn't say anything, okay, probably wouldn't notice that much. But the fact that they tell you. I feel like they don't respect me as a viewer because they had to instinctively make that clear so someone doesn't get confused halfway through the movie when I don't think anyone would get confused about the language they're speaking because it's right there. It's so unnecessary. Yeah.
0: I, I think that's the movie speaking to the lowest common denominator. Like, they are they are here to make 1.7 billion dollars that there's going to be a whole bunch of idiots really who watch this movie because I mean, if you like it you you are one
1: fuck you i you. really hate how much of the you know the majority of blockbuster films these days are like it is a rare occurrence to not have that be played to the lowest common
0: denominator <laughs> and this is a, a a startling example of it um I and mean, I you know while we're talking about language real quick I want to nitpick something uh because it it did bother me throughout the film and and this is the type of thing where like maybe it doesn't matter much if this was like the only flaw but when we're talking about a movie that is not a pleasurable experience because of story and because of the characters there within it did irk me throughout the film as a pretty weird gaff which is Sigourney Weaver's character so Sigourney Weaver dies in the first one, but they were like, we got to get the whole gang back together. So what are we going to do? I got it. She has a kid. How did she have a kid? Great question. We don't know. Are we going to answer it in this movie? Nope. Um. So she has a kid, Kiri, which throughout the entirety of the film, I thought they were saying kitty, like like a cat, like a kitty cat. Mm-hmm. They were not. It's K I R R I. I think two R's. I think it's a double R. Um, no one R K I R I. Kiri. Um, Kiri does not have an accent. Everyone else of the Navi children has an accent. Kiri does not. Why?
1: Uh, probably because uh, the actress uh, had a terrible accent, I'm going to guess, and they were just like, fuck it. Uh, because plot-wise, I have no, no explanation.
0: And I that's the thing that, because it bothered me because uh, we've been missing 14 years, right? And this film doesn't backfill it. It, 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 this is james cameron's before sunrise or before sunset whichever one came second Jeez. i think it's before sunset right it's it's 14 years later and we're not and we're picking it up as though 14 years have passed right
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so the way that the characters interact with each other their world their behaviors are, are all going to be informative to how they have been in the last 14 years right So when Jake has two biological children and they both have these like, you know, thick Navi accents were to assume. And there's a third child of the same age who grew up in the same conditions with the same people speaking the same language and with the same English speaking with an English accent, people around her for her to not have an accent is really puzzling. And honestly introduces the idea that she had a completely different upbringing than the other two kids, which makes no sense for that accent, given the fact that if any characters here were going to not have an accent, it would be the sons of the fucking guy who doesn't have who speaks English fluently. Like it, it, it is. And to that end, sorry, just yeah. to double down on it. No. OK, maybe her Navi is is. Bad or whatever, or j- just have the Navi kids. Jake's bio kids not have an accent as well because if they're speaking Navi, quote unquote, if they're speaking Navi but we are to hearing English with the understanding that they're speaking Navi then why do they need an accent? It also serves no purpose and this is like it, it, it drove me nuts while watching this movie.
1: <laughs> I don't have an answer for you. And frankly, I didn't notice it once. And I don't care enough about this movie to even remotely get more upset about it for something I don't care about.
0: All right. That's fine. Let's 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 move into some more plot stuff. So essentially, the the start of the movie is uh, Jake became top dog, super chief of uh, the, the, the tribe of Navi in the forest. Um, of
1: course, white man always rises to the top. History oh, has told us that. Always. Finally, they catch a break. Been
0: <laughs> <Ugh. laughs> Kept down for so long. You know what? These natives need a white man to come in and save the day. Um, God, are foreign. you kidding me? They
1: would have just been beaten senseless by us white men coming in. Good thing a white man was there to save them.
0: They're so helpless and so stupid with their primitive ways. Do <laughs> no, you what? see how they
1: just wanted to like. Charge at them and attack just suicide mission at the end? Uh, if only a white man was there to tell them otherwise. Oh, thank God he was.
0: They don't have any concept of in-depth military military strategy. They haven't studied World War II like I have. Sorry if that one hit uh, a little post to brutal. home for you. Yeah. <laughs> um anywho, so Edie Falco is like, I don't know, some top dog general somebody. And she's like, she brings back the villain of the of the original film, um, whose name is ridiculous, Quaritch, uh, Stephen Lang's character, Quaritch. Essentially, his introduction is, um he, he wakes up in a lab and they play him a video. And the video is human Quaritch telling Navi Quaritch, hey, you're going on a mission. Um, and they wanted me to back up my memory in case we died. I ain't going to die because I'm a tough-ass military bro. But if I do die, they're backing my memories up to the cloud so that you can be generated. So you're not me, but you have all of my memories and personality and military training um, from this cloud backup of, of my brain. So go kick ass. I, I want to stop at every single point just to talk about stuff because yeah. this presents kind of an issue for me, which is essentially so for a broader scope, they are making six total Avatar films. There's five sequels that are in the works. It's a lot of movies. This now offers the ability for Quaritch to be the bad guy in all of them.
1: I, the second the movie ended, I was like, I am almost disappointed. We don't have a, the chance now to just start the third movie with them printing another one.
0: Well, he's alive at the end be... of, the third, of, the, of this one.
1: Right. I am I was thinking he was going to die off. And they're like, oh, oh, third movie. All right. Another quartz, Let's get ready to go. And just the idea of having it in, like, the canon explanation for everything is that they just, like, 3D print. People now, that's just fuck it. We could live forever.
0: Yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, and let me offer you another bent on why I think this is kind of stupid. Um, Why bring back the team instead of just printing five to ten quarishes? And in fact, why bring back only Hmm. one of each guy if you could make a veritable army of these people to go stomp out this insurgency. We're no longer worried about the human casualty side of things because all of these men died already. And these are literally just uh, fabricated bodies implanted with their recollections and their and their I guess, somehow military ability. So their dispensability, I mean, w- once they're done, if you do want to get rid of them, shoot them in the fucking head. They're not real. So why not? either make an army of quaritches who theoretically are the best trained with the most experience in specifically dealing with Jake Scully, blah, 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 blah. Um, Or at least make multiple copies of all these guys so that you can account for casualties.
1: My first like retort to that was going to be like, Oh, well, it's probably super, you know, uh, resource. Um, Oh God, I've, Forgot the first word, remembered it, and then forgot the second word that I did remember.
0: Fucking boring. expensive?
1: Uh yeah, just how much it would cost to actually print a Navi person. Like I'm sure that takes an incredible amount of resources. But remembering how the US military works now, that's literally of no concern whatsoever. They just get whatever they want. I don't know. It I have to imagine it was just so that if You solve all the problems in the first sequel. What are you going to do for the next four? Um, I'm uh, I already see the fast five just um growth on the just what they are going to use to fight the Navi because, of course, the protagonists are always going to get stronger and gain allies and all of that. So, just yeah, obviously, by the end of the sixth film, there's going to be an army of Navi fighting against them that are. Wearing U.S. uniforms,
0: the 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 Dude. rotation of of Pandora around whatever sun it orbits is going to change from the sheer weight of all of the quarishes <laughs> that the planet is having to deal with.
1: Um, I do enjoy that. Like part of their strategy was like, "Hey, we are going to covertly insert ourselves into the area, but we're not going to trip anything off because." Hey, we're going to be Navi. We're going to blend in. People are going to think we're natives, mm-hmm. and then still just wear like flak jackets and and you know uh, play carriers, stuff like that. Just like we obviously, you are not some guy living in a tree here. You don't well, really. Well, that
0: and they get printed into the Navi bodies because, as Edie Falco says, uh, you know we got to fight fire with fire. Essentially, right? Like you, you've got to. We need you to have all the same physical capabilities of these more advanced peoples in terms of their um, you know physical abilities if like I'm repeating myself but whatever Uh, you know they're they're taller they're faster they're stronger they're more nimble blah 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 they can fly we have to have you do that shit and then they go out there with guns and basically don't use the, the bodies that they have in any adv- advantageous way at all except for the one scene where quaritch flies and then gets like shot down the second he gets to (laughs) waterland. Like literally like they they go out there and they're like, all right, cool. Still got my guns. Like it doesn't come into play in the slightest. And to that effect, you would expect, this is one of the other things that surprised me about the film. You would expect with how many sequels are in the works and that we know that ahead of time, that they would kind of spread out the events of, you know, I guess just this film, so that you know, they have more material going forward, right? There were arcs I was expecting to take place in this film that just didn't, because it seemed like it was speeding through stuff to give you. Like I was expecting there to be a big battle and confrontation in the jungle environment, but mm-hmm. there wasn't. By the time Quaritch gets there, by the way, his his goal is just to stop the insurgency. Um, that's, that's really it. That's all the Falco really tells him to do. There's insurgents go out there and kill him. Uh, by the time he gets to, to, to tree world, uh, everyone's like, boss ain't here. You know, like he fucking left. And then he's like, oh, okay, cool. I guess we'll go go to water world now. Um, and then that's kind of it. And it almost feels like, oh, I was expecting there to be a battle here that results in people picking up the pieces and going to water world. And instead, Jake is just like, he became run away. his title so early in the movie. I was like, whoa, I don't know what's happening. You got punched in the chest and then like knifed across your nipples and then like tap danced out into Water Planet. So goddamn fast.
1: I definitely uh, had a thought of like, man, I should figure out what the fuck just happened, but it's like, yeah, no, we're like 30 minutes into a three, almost three and a half hour film. There's gotta have to be more context that comes, and we're just gonna power ahead. And frankly, I, I don't, I never figured it out. I don't know what that whole spiel was.
0: So his whole deal, from what I gathered, was they're gonna come for me, the military, And they're never going to stop. And I don't want to put my people at risk. So I'm going to leave. And I think that would lead one to say, okay, that makes sense. You are sacrificing your home and stability for the greater good of your people. But then he follows that up with immediately going to another tribe. And so if you're going to say to me, the military is never going to stop pursuing me, I'm constantly going to be the subject of their. The their attacks, uh, of their military advances, they their want to kill me. I need to leave my people so that they can be safe. But I'm going to take refuge with these other people. All you're saying is, fuck these people. They don't matter fucking at all. Additionally, you are supposed to be this great hunter, right? And Naterius is supposed to be this great hunter. Your kids are good hunters. We have scenes of them, you showing us that how much they've been developing as hunters and they fly real good and all this type of shit. You are telling me you can't fend for yourself somewhere the fuck else? Like, he comes to the water planet. I keep saying planet. It's not a planet. He comes keeps coming to the water tribe, a la Avatar The Last Airbender, like, hands uh, on hands and knees groveling, like, please take us in, <laughs> making it sound like, because if we, if we have to go into the world on our own, we're going to die. And it's like, don't you have survival skills at this point? It, the whole thing yeah, those, felt so strange to me.
1: Those kids also seem to have just not a great uh, survival instinct, as far as you know, making good choices that expert or you know young, but being trained by expert hunters, hunters would have.
0: How old did you think that they were?
1: Um, uh, I imagine like seventeen. 15 13 range between the oldest and youngest
0: that's about Maybe what i was younger thinking too yeah i heard someone say the other day that he thought that they were like in their 20s and i was like oh no way they're definitely kids but it made me think about it yeah
1: it's like um, such a natural cutoff because like at least most people you know the interpretation of what you expect a 20 year old to be able to do it's like all right they a twenty-year-old should know better than all of that shit. Like eighteen is right at that, just universal yes. sweet spot of how old everyone is at, you know, roughly this. What's being asked?
0: I feel like at this point we should talk about Kate Winslet's performance, because um, this is where we meet her as the queen of the water people. Um, sure. In what is one of the most unhinged performances I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And it, 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 it I, I guess it kind of can't be racist because these people are blue, but man, it fucking feels racist somehow. With her affecting like some some kind of tribal esque accent and just screaming all of her lines like a banshee, I, it just was nuts. It was fucking nuts.
1: I'll tell you what, I didn't actually recognize that it was Kate Winslet because again, I was watching a very poor quality torrent. Uh, but I do remember feeling wow this is kind of uncomfortable the way she's yelling at me like it doesn't feel right like I don't know what's off about it but this feels wrong and I do now realize oh this is this is kind of like what blackface used to be like, it, this it, is it, roughly the same thing.
0: I mean, and especially because this film is a very much like the first one is a very ham fisted presentation of James Cameron's worldview in specifically in regards to the treatment of Native Americans. And Mm -hmm. it's one of those tough things where like the film is right. You know, like James Cameron's worldview in this respect is absolutely right. Like Mm -hmm. white people came to America to conquer the people and to take resources back to their homeland. With complete disregard for the how it affected the 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 natives, um, killed them off wantonly, forced them into slavery, which isn't shown so much in this film, uh, and you know didn't care about how it affected the uh, environment and the environmental impacts, which also come into play here. You know there there's the bit on whaling that's in this film, all that type of stuff. I say that to say that Kate Winslet, because we are to read the Navi as a a, a, a presentation of what we understand of as Native Americans, right? That that's the the uh, reading of it. I, I'm losing all my words today. Uh, it I know feels I feel. like it feels like Kate Winslet is doing a native voice. And because the character design is presenting very native, it you're right. It feels kind of minstrelly in a really uncomfortable way.
1: Yeah, uh, looking at like pictures of the character, it's also like it feels weird having an incredibly white woman doing this. Not just like hey, it's just a caucasian white person like random whoever like kate winslet is very at least to me like highbrow english society that you mean like her character somehow Titanic. makes it worse
0: yeah yeah no you're 100 right <laughs> like yes that is the everyone's understanding of kate winslet mm-hmm. and speaking of race I, I wanted to make another thing because I they must have used the the term sky people in the first one. i I don't remember it, but they 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 must have, right? I kept thinking Bro. myself watching the movie. call them call them white people. I don't know why we're avoiding the word. you fuckers are blue. <laughs> you know what you don't have? White people or whatever your anagram for people is. you're like if there was ever a time to use you know the shade of someone's skin, As a signifier, it's now. You are blue. They are white. That should be the descriptor, not sky people, because you fuckers fly.
1: As much as, you know, I am certain James Cameron thinks of himself as a very virtuous person uh, because of the message he's sending to the masses, uh, he is way too capitalistic to not cut off half of the people that would watch this in the US because if you named them white people in the story you are telling the entire center of the country would just be like I will not watch that movie go fuck yourself
0: it's funny because there's so many better indicators uh, for, based on physical appearance you know there are physical disparities between the two that would make it more conversational or, or more apt in a descriptor you know they're white they're like I don't know man Three feet shorter.
1: Space. They come they, from fucking outer space.
0: <laughs> yeah. Whereas the sky, oh boy, the sky. You guys fly. You know what? You know, rocks. You know what? No, float, float I, I in your just, world.
1: I just convinced myself otherwise. They don't have a space program. All they see is the sky. They don't know what's beyond that. Call them star people. people came from space, but they don't know what stars are. I yes, don't think. they do. They Everyone, see the light knows this, what stars they, is. Yeah, you're not you're you're not wrong. That's I can't argue otherwise, but I, I at least could understand why sky people would at least be something they could agree upon. Makes sense. I'm not saying it's great. Don't love it. Would love if they just flat out called them white people. But I get it.
0: I mean, could you imagine if the if the analogue for an American history, right, was for the natives to call the Europeans sea people instead of the white man? Yeah. Like it'd be how, ridiculous. How many of them would have actually
1: seen him actually come from the sea though?
0: But that's what I'm saying. Regardless. You know what I mean? How yeah. many how many people of the Navi do you think actually saw, saw the, these whiteies yeah. fall out of the sky?
1: Touche.
0: i see seen more Navi in the sky than I've seen Whites. Touche. Touche indeed. Anyway, let, let's let's move on a little bit. So, they're in the Watertown. Watertown is a peaceful oasis. Um, there's another leader there. He barely factors in the movie. Who fucking cares? The kids are all bickering b- b- between the two branches of royal kids you know you got the 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 tribe leaders kids feuding a little bit with uh, Scully's Sully's kids in what is the least interesting discourse imaginable and then like an hour and a half into this movie we come to kind of the plot which is there's these whale-like creatures that have language and that the see Navi people bond with and can understand and communicate with uh, that are being hunted for their brain juice, which is this movie's version, the sequel's version of Unobtainium, which was the MacGuffin of the original film. That's right. If you didn't remember, the thing that all of the people, all of the the, the whiteies were trying to get in the first one was literally called unobtainium fuck you james cameron in this (laughs) one it's glowing his colored brain juice (sighs) okay that that they say literally stops aging which stop everything what does that mean (laughs) because if it means what he said which is it literally stops aging we have a severe crisis on our hands because yeah. no part of societal infrastructure is set up to handle or understand how to reckon with a swath of people who have ceased to age. Society is forever changed in a completely catastrophic way. That's a whole new movie,
1: frankly, the smart thing in that scenario would not to be, entirely wipe out everything in one you know fell swoop dude that's gonna be the most expensive thing in the world and you now have the ability to you know control how much you are bringing into like it's not like private enterprise can go out there and just hey we're gonna go get some blue people damn dude you control the most expensive thing in the world now everyone will pay
0: everything they have farm that shit be smart god well the, farm it instead of hunting it and also synthesize it yeah it's an organic material it can be synthesized i promise there's so few organic materials that we've come across in our in our uh scientific re- discourse today that we haven't been able to find some alternate version of that and been able to distill down to it, it, its pure essences Like, this is an extremely dangerous process that also must be ridiculously expensive because then it has to be – I mean, the shipping rates alone must be colossal. You know what would be more prudent? Sending back as much as you can get in one go and then trying to make an alternate version of it with the chemical compounds available to you, which – Ah, oh, god whatever fuck this movie
1: exactly like it's such like a it doesn't matter because it doesn't affect any that's way the we feel that's towards the thing this. that makes
0: it so weird that james cameron makes this movie he was a sci-fi legend in the 80s and 90s right where like you know you consider the time travel implications of terminator and terminator 2 and they're completely thought out like they're very thoroughly done and you know all of the concepts introduced within any of the science fiction films that James Cameron made you know, like, like aliens as well. And the terraforming that was trying to happen in that film, it all adds up in a way that would make sense within our understanding of how science works as a layman and, and in modern society and how we would accept it to work within the confines of the film presented to us. This though is just fucking garbage.
1: Josh, We've now been talking about this for an hour. We need to fucking stop.
0: I know. I'm tr- this movie I, I, sucks. The problem, the problem is trying to speed through it is that again, so much happens in this movie. I would have thought it would been so much less. So okay, we, we by the way, we've missed so much I wanted to talk about, but it doesn't matter. Essentially, eventually, Quaritch comes to find that Scully and his kids are in uh, Watertown. It teams up with the whalers for who fucking knows why. It doesn't it matter. No, nah, it doesn't. Uh, oh, another thing they rubbed me the wrong way. Jermaine Clement, this movie filmed in New Zealand. Jermaine Clement is in it, a famous New Zealander. So they make him speak with an American accent. Fuck you. It makes no fucking sense. This is one of New Zealand's most famous exports in the last 20 years. And you made him speak with an American accent. He filmed this near his home. Eat shouldn't die. Anyway, uh, this then leads to the 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 big climactic fight of the film, which is Quaritch and the whalers going up against Scully, his fucking kids for some goddamn reason, and a handful of um, uh, the sea navi people. I say a handful because even though the entire tribe attacks in unison, the second the battle actually starts and we get kind of deep into it. Everybody that's not top billed in the film just disappears, which is also stupid anyway. Um, at the conclusion of this big fight, uh, you know, Jake chokes out Quarch underwater. We presume him to be dead. Jake, Neytiri, um, and one of their two kids flee. The other kid dies in such a lame way. It's so fucking stupid. Uh, Essentially, all the kids are fleeing after having been captured on the boat. They all dive into uh, this center kind of uh, recessed area that leads out to the sea because it's used for whaling. So I guess they needed some availability for that. And as they were diving, one of the kids gets shot. They've been in fight scenes, saving each other dodging all types of mayhem killing human beings the whole nine how does he die kind of by accident we're gonna make a big deal out of it no we're not because it happens halfway through the fight and everyone leaves to go finish the fight anyway they go get his body at the end bury him in in the, the sea graveyard where the ocean eats his body i don't know how to explain it better than that um spider saves quaritch as quaritch is his dad um spider having conflicting feelings throughout the film. You clearly get the, uh, kind of the feeling that he's going to be an Anakin like figure. Uh, at some point I kind of thought that would actually happen. This film instead, it's, I don't think very well done, but it shows the beginnings of a potential conversion to the dark side. Um, as again, this film is just a rebuff of other movies and that one's just a star Wars thing. Uh, and I, yeah, and then the Scully settle down at, at sea and become ocean people. Um, did I miss anything important? No.
1: You didn't miss anything important because there really isn't anything important.
0: I mean, we didn't talk about Kiri's character who becomes pretty important later in the film, but like, oh, God, this movie's exhausting.
1: That's a good way to put it. It's exhausting. Like, and everything going on with how jam packed they try to make it, while also stretching it out, it's just tiring to watch.
0: It it's is, hard it, to
1: it's hard to have a three hour and fifteen minute film and have it flow well, and this is nowhere close.
0: And it's hard to have a three hour and fifteen minute film that's nothing but archetypes, right? Like Scully behaves throughout the film exactly how you'd expect it to, or a, a character of that ilk to to, to behave. Quaritch behaves exactly like you'd expect a military bad guy plopped out of an 80s movie to behave. Nateri, like everybody acts, ex- there's no depth to any character. No one really grows at, in the slightest. Scully is, at the end of the movie, the same guy he is at the beginning as is Quaritch. Spider shows a little bit of a, of a want for family in some ways, but that's not really different from where he was in the beginning of the film. You know, he wanted some kind of family at the beginning of the film, too. He just might have actually found some bit of it with Quaritch, but temporary Quaritch likely who the fuck knows the C people are the same. Everybody's the same. No one grows throughout the film. It's an it's three hours and 15 minutes of just behavior that is perfectly well predictable, barely justified and kind of tough to look at. I I, I cannot get over how uncomfortable everyone's face looks i it, it feel it feels like the audience for this movie is people who dig furry porn which might explain why it's doing great in asia hell yeah <laughs> weaves of the world unite uh, I don't know. I mean, I, let's I, I let's, feel like I let's,
1: could... let's just get to final ratings. Like I was, was talking I was about, about, the about plot to say, is not going to move this forward. I was We're about just to just going to get even more bogged down.
0: I feel like I could keep complaining about it, but I am also done. Final ratings and reviews. I'll start. I I I, I hate it, man. It, it's it's everything. Like Corwin said at the top, it's like everything that's wrong with a blockbuster film. It's it's so poorly done. It's so poorly done. And it's marketed towards the lowest common denominator. I can't believe we have to even talk about it for this this uh, this show. I hope it doesn't get any Oscar nominations because it doesn't fucking deserve it. It's bad. I hate it. Zero point five stars.
1: Uh, I'm giving it a three. You could. It's a movie. I imagine if you got really high,
0: would you, you recommend to people it? to watch it?
1: No. No.
0: Um, that's why I'm giving it such a low rating. That's fair. It, for three hours and 15 minutes, it's got to be a good fucking movie for you to recommend it.
1: I, th- I feel like a three, though, for me, at least with what I've done. Like, it's not one I would recommend, but I can't tell you just to straight up not watch it. I know people will find it enjoyable. Yeah.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the second film that we have on the docket for the day, and that is The Menu. Uh, the menu was directed by Mark Mylod. It was written by Seth Reese and Will Tracy. Film stars Ralph Fine, Anya Taylor Joy, and Nicholas Holt. Uh, the film had an estimated budget of $35 million. And a worldwide gross of seventy six, and it is also again in part a streaming film. It is currently on HBO Max. Um, the film had a tagline of "Wonderful surprises await you all." Eh.
1: Yeah, not great. Yeah, uh,
0: we are talking about it because it is a Golden Globe nominee. Nominated film, I should say. Uh, It's nominated for, or it was, it didn't win either because we now know this. Golden Globes for the other day. It was nominated for Best Performance by an Actor in a Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy for Ralph Fiennes, and Best Performance by an Actress in a Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy for Anya Taylor-Joy. The film is about a young couple that travels to a remote island to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. Corwin... You're up to start.
1: I just want to say before we forget I don't know if I really get the love around Anya Taylor Joy. Like she is one of the hottest and in, in terms of like how badly people want to have her in their films. one of the hottest actresses in Hollywood. I do not understand what she does well. I think she's Nothing. a fine actress. I'm not. Nothing I've seen her in has been, you know, bad. Like she has not had a bad role, but they're all very similar and don't really do anything. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Regardless, the actual film, I really enjoyed it. I I didn't dive too deep into. Like I I wasn't trying to dig for plot holes. I wasn't trying to pick it apart. I just wanted to watch it and enjoy it and see where it took me. And I, I liked it. It was fun. I, I don't know how the characters I, I I don't know any of the under the surface level details about what they were trying to, you know, represent outside of consumerism, destroying art. Um, but it was an enjoyable, fun movie. Uh, Quinn may have spoiled it uh, about halfway through, right when all the, the fun shit was kicking off about what was about to come. Oh, yeah.
0: You never texted me back about what she actually said.
1: Oh, um, she like walked into the room and I was watching it. I had it on and she's like, oh, is this the movie where he invites all these people to the island and then like kills them off, you know, all at once or I forget how she phrased it. Exactly. But slipped in like that. And I was like, I, I don't know. I, at least I didn't know. I imagine that happens. Nothing crazy.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Uh, I, I, I didn't didn't care for it. It's not like egregiously bad. Like I'm not going to sit here and say, this movie's terrible. Um, just didn't care for it. Uh, I kept waiting for the movie to get interesting in either a motivation or in a kill sense. And it kind of never did for me. Um, And maybe that's some desensitization because of all of the extremes of, you know, with VFX or how extreme horror movies can get and, or whatever. But yeah, it was just kind of unsatisfying. I found Nicholas Holt's character to be lame. Obviously, I mean, you're supposed he, to dislike him, so he you know, he's an so, annoying character. He but he's was just so lame, fucking unlikable. <laughs> but I don't even mean like that. Like it's just like uh, okay, like I, I I get who the character is, you know. Like yeah. I get it. He's he's a foodie who can't actually cook anything, but oh, okay. Like I'm supposed to care about that.
1: The uh, fact I, that Anya Taylor Joy's character was revealed to have been paid to come made me so relieved that he like doesn't actually have the game necessary to land someone like that in the real world
0: well clearly he had had a girlfriend prior to her um
1: yeah but she could have been you know the worst
0: sure yeah Uh, so the basic plot of this movie is that people start showing up uh we basically enter into the film as they are um boarding a a boat to an island where uh, they get toured around by Hong Chow. This will be the, this will be one of two Hong Chow films that we talk about this uh, in the next few weeks. As she's also a uh, supporting actress in The Whale, which is a Golden Globe nominated film and will likely be an Oscar nominated film. We'll see. Um, anyway, Hong Chow shows them around. Uh, it you get the feeling of it's all very sinister. Um, like they spend this time in the smoke shop, and it's that's the thing. It's like the. If, That feels like a build-up for a payoff. That smoke shop, smoke room thing? Doesn't matter. Literally nothing. Doesn't matter at all. In fact, uh, why are they doing it? The chef and all of the chefs are planning to kill themselves that night. Why do you have anything in there? What's the point? Um, Yeah. Anyway, then they get down to, to dinner, and... Yeah, we got to feel for the, some of the characters. Um is the, the food critic who's meant to be like, you know, some devilish like Pauline Kales type type character and and her doting um I forget which what his actual title was. I think he was
1: a uh, bottom bitch.
0: I actually don't know. maybe he was like an ed- oh yeah, he's an editor. I see here. He is an editor. He's her editor. Um a pair of regulars, uh movie star and his assistant, three business dudes, the head chef's mother, and then again our our foodie and uh Margot Mills, the, the prostitute he hired to be with him for the day. Um I don't know. The the, the plot of this film is pretty straightforward as the courses progress, the tone gets I'm, a little bit more sinister um i'll
1: say before we move on i don't think any of the other invitees i cared for like it was kind of uh the way you felt towards the characters in don't look up like they are such caricatures of who they are meant to represent it's almost like a joke that's not funny um i thought it was a little better but i it who cares? They had no impact on me for this film whatsoever, at least positively.
0: Yeah, seeing um Arturo Castro play straight was really off putting. Like, no, you're not, stop it. <laughs> um, clearly, you don't know who that is, but it's okay.
1: The I don't know him in any other role, but I know who you're talking about as far as one of the. The guy who tries to break the window with the chair. I don't know yes. how really else to describe him.
0: Love that fucking guy.
1: What's he None. what's he in that you know him from?
0: Broad City, baby! Best uh, show ever made, Broad City. Broad City's the best.
1: I know him from Narcos, and he very much plays it straight in that as well.
0: Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, no, no good here. I didn't like Have it. you see Narcos? Sure. I have not seen Narcos. Very good. I think you should watch it. I've heard good things. We'll see if I get to it. Um. Anywho. So I guess my problem with the movie. Uh, first of all, Johnny Legs is in this movie. Um, and you know if Johnny Legs is going to be in your movie, it's either going to be uh, a blast or not good. He is either in a chaotic film that's a lot of fun or it's hot garbage. And for that, I love Johnny Legs. John Leguizamo, Johnny <laughs> Legs. Um, Yeah. What's your,
1: I'm trying to think of like the high end of John Leguizamo. What's your like favorite go to?
0: It's not my favorite, but the height of John Leguizamo is probably Moulin Rouge. Mm, interesting.
1: Think. Um, the correct answer is Ice Age by the way I was going to say that Ice Age peak. definitely has
0: his broadest appeal Uh, but I would think his highest like caliber film was probably um, Chef I mean, Chef is clients. really good and he's fun in that that movie such a blast uh, I'm trying to uh, see good.
1: Wait. <laughs> scrolling through everything here that he's been in um,
0: it's a lot of bad
1: a lot of bad. Die Hard 2. Don't remember him in that.
0: I refuse to believe he was in. really everything? Dr. Who was, Who was is he in Rat the Rat Super Mario
1: Bros? He played Luigi. Holy shit.
0: That movie was incredibly bad if you've ever seen that. Have you ever seen that?
1: Oh, my God. I, I've seen uh, discussions on it. I've never actually seen it myself.
0: Oh, it's really Holy bad. shit.
1: It's so
0: much fun. Anyway, um, so this film has comedic elements to it and uh, as well as the horror elements to it. I think that I do think that the jokes work better than the horror. Um, Definitely. I don't think there's any horror. Well, and that but that's my problem with it is. It wants it both ways. Like they clearly had an ending picked out and decided, but they needed a way to kind of fuck with people in between. So, like the scene where they gather all the men and tell them to go outside so that they can be chased. Mm-mm. There's no actual stakes to it because all that happens is they get tackled and get brought back. Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh that's kind of lame. The scene also lasts all of, I don't know, maybe five minutes. Or it was
1: fun just because they were fucking with them.
0: But, but it's only fun if there's a payoff to that. And there really isn't.
1: Yeah, they're all dying anyway. Fuck them. I mean, come on. Isn't it fun? more fun for psychopaths to play with their food?
0: But are they food? Such a bad pun. Yeah, no, so I'm just saying. It's like, like
1: they're chefs. So I was trying to be... A... It's a bad joke, Josh. I have so many.
0: What was your reaction when the first death occurred, which is you know, the, the big... You know symbol crashing uh signal that we are in the not a good place as the the from the character's perspective of the the chef killing himself
1: um as seeing person. as i was told it was gonna happen about literally 30 seconds before it did uh kind of i it didn't stop the the like mirror from shattering or whatever the idiom is but i don't know they it kind of was fairly obvious by the way they were setting up the scene and yes i guess the rest of the film like it, it really wasn't anything wild it was like oh yeah that seems like the kind of people this is gonna turn out they are
0: but that see that's how i feel about the whole movie though you know what i mean like sure it's so much setup for what ultimately isn't a very interesting payoff like when anya taylor joy breaks into the uh head chef's house and it's just a replication of the um uh the the kitchen or the the uh, mm-hmm. restaurant and it's like oh okay and like i was expecting a torture dungeon or some fucked up childhood shit or, or some, some, you know, something like the like the the apartment of the killer in seven where he's got all those fucking notebooks that he's just been mm-hmm. torturing himself, filling out. And it's like, uh, no, it's a kitchen. And it's like you built it up like no one goes in there. No one's been in there except chef. I've I've been on this island for 30 years and I've never been inside. <sighs> it's like, oh, this payoff blows.
1: And honestly, that's kind of like what I was saying earlier. Like, there's no major depth to this. It's very surface level. But the package that it's brought to you in, it's good, and it's enjoyable it to watch. At least
0: for me, <laughs> I enjoyed it. But uh, like, you know, I guess what I'm trying to nail down is what <laughs> aspects of it did you enjoy? Because what I'm trying to uh, what I'm trying to explain for me is like when food. I come to a movie like this, I want the the parts that are supposed to be scary offer something for me to feel or or for the, the, the humor to be present enough that it can get by on that and I don't feel like this film succeeded in either way so what about it worked for you
1: you know what the biggest thing was the thing that really got me excited watching this movie seeing what the courses were going to be that was that was the best part I just really enjoyed watching what the food was going to be for the next course and watching that play out.
0: So you were more interested our... in a food network style show. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like Euro dreams of sushi. I wanted to watch that, but with really rich, fancy, you know, French laundry type food. Hell yeah.
0: Oh, by the way, that brings I up. wanted a...
1: nothing what this movie was giving to me, but I found Never. a little bit there.
0: Brings up a question I, I I had early in the film. They mention the amount that it costs to eat there early on in the movie. Do you remember what they said it was?
1: It's like what, like thirty five hundred bucks? twelve
0: fifty. Oh yeah, that seems like it should cost way more. Okay, thank you. I I paused <laughs> the movie and was trying to do the math with Cal, and I'm like, if they only host one dinner a night for like, you're not, not making money. People, fucking no way they're making. There's more chefs than there are patrons.
1: It's Insane. That it's was on like an island. A full like five minutes of me not paying attention to the film. Like, what the fuck would their overhead be where they could get away with like a fifteen thousand dollar night max?
0: Max. I I I did the math to Cal about how your average Chipotle makes like ten times that per day, and she was yeah. blown away. Like, yeah, a Chipotle will make more money than this. Easy, they're, you're packaging this to the 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 upper echelon of wealth, and you're charging. I've paid more than that for some of the guitars in my apartment, and that's not the, they're not very expensive guitars. <laughs> like, that's not a lot of money. Well, it's a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money for a super duper high end life changing meal where you have to take a fucking boat to an island to experience it. Blew my mind. Anyway, they
1: really should have made it like a fun number. Like you're paying, you know what? Whatever. It it made me think. That's the most it made me think for, during the film. Maybe it's a positive. But I was like, they should have made that number like twenty thousand, something fucking ludicrous. It almost makes sense that if you're getting that for twelve fifty, why that one family would go like a dozen times. Yeah, a great deal.
0: Absolutely. I I mean, bro, I I spent more than that on a hotel for uh, like two nights in New York the other day, (laughs) like. It wasn't yeah. fun to have to do that, but it was for a special occasion, you know, and so you do things for special occasions. That's an, an, an amount of money where anyone can go to this fucking thing. That's just nuts. Yeah. Anyway, speaking to, to your point uh, real quick about uh, liking to see what the food was brings me to one of the things that uh, also graded me about the film, although it is a minor gripe. I hated the editing of this every time they would uh, blast up on the screen course three and there would be like a shot of somewhere on the island and it was all of a sudden it was shot like a Food Network show where they had like these interstitial title cards.
1: I love the title cards.
0: I hated them. I thought i love the title I, cards. I I I was okay with the descriptions of the items after the presentation had occurred. Like the plate was on the table, and they put the you know bits of what was whatever was in the the dish. But when they panned to like a shot of the ocean cracking, it, mm-hmm. the editing of it never felt right. It'd be like a hard I, cut from like a deep uh deep tight shot of Ralph Fiennes face straight into uh, a completely different time of day based on the sun ocean breaking on uh, Pebble Beach uh, course two
1: you know we've been watching White Lotus and it gave me some of those vibes of like the oh like the beautiful wonderful island where everyone there is a fucking psychopath and I think the quality of White Lotus maybe have bled into this and how I thought, in turn, watching that in this film. But I I didn't notice the editing. I can't say it, it makes a difference for me off of the first time watching it.
0: That's fine. Uh, So I, I guess let's just jump up to the ending. Actually, no, wait, real quick. I do want to talk about uh, Anya Taylor-Joy's character for a second. So basically... Ralph finds he decides that something's up with Anya Taylor Joy because she said her name's Margot and I've served hundreds of Margos and you're no Margot.
1: <laughs> you're not a Margot.
0: Fuck you. What yeah, on earth does that mean? He's a nut. He's but just he a was nut. right. He looked at a girl and she said her name was Margot. He goes, "No, you look like someone who's worked in the service industry." And she's like, "Yes, I am in fact a prostitute." Come on. That's so dumb. Yeah. (laughs) Like Ralph Fiennes is playing a man who said he was from fucking Idaho with a British accent. Yeah. He said born and raised in some nowhere podunk town in Idaho. (laughs) And he has done nothing to assuage the accent of renowned British actor Ralph Fiennes. (laughs)
1: Hold on, Josh. I gotta step away for a sec.
0: Okay. I mean, I did like the turn that she was a prostitute and that the foodie guy was like, I don't care. I I, you know, fuck this hooker. I'm here to eat food and die, bitch. Um <laughs> I just don't like how we got there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I agree. It's also funny because it's like, so you you almost feel like there should be some redemption at the end of it, right? And maybe there doesn't need to be, you know, like it, it could be a, a sex positive film in that way. It doesn't pretend to be one, but it could be in in, in its messaging, I, I guess. Uh, but one would, you know, think at the end of this, like, oh, she's a hooker, got hosed, you know, is getting out of a near-death experience and throughout the course of these events, is offered the opportunity to leave that lifestyle behind her for something more secure, you know, less risky, with better money, better opportunity, whatever. And at we'll the do. end of it, it's like, no, 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 I'm just uh, still a prostitute eating a hamburger, uh, narrowly avoiding death, and I'm going to go back to the mainland where I'm going to keep sucking dick for money.
1: Damn right. I mean, shit. It's a good time.
0: You're speaking from experience. Damn right. And here I thought you did it for the love of the game. <laughs> <laughs> um so what do you make of Ralph Find's motivation for the murders? Um
1: The fact that he was just crazy I almost enjoyed because, like, yeah, like He doesn't need to be some fucking supervillain. He's just nutty. And I think I'm okay with that. I'm okay with him just being a guy who's just been in a pressure cooker, you know, basically making a time bomb for his entire life. He's just completely lost it, and I'm fine watching that happen.
0: You are so skin deep.
1: I know, and I told you that from the very beginning of this movie, I didn't care. I, I was just here for the fun. I was here for the food, the Food Network movie.
0: The the thing, like I, I'm I'm half in, half out on on the motivation part of it. Like I I liked the comedy that they introduced with it. You know, I I liked killing Johnny Legs because like you did a movie I didn't like. You know what? Yeah, <laughs> fuck you on your assistant Brown, no college debt. Fuck you too. But like, you're that telling was, me that you have, you access... can't tell me that
1: wasn't a great line
0: again. I think the comedy of this so... film worked really well. And it, it like, was much yeah. more successful. Um, it was just that it got bogged down and everything else that was terrible about it. Uh, yeah. uh, but like, you're telling me that he has the ability to dig up the tax records and offshore uh, accounts, including like the account numbers and balances of these sketchy dudes and their sketchy company, and is it doing more with that? Like this is three dudes, and it, it, Ralph finds even said it. He's it, it, like, the guy was like, "Do you know who I work for?" And Hong Chow was like, "Yeah, for like you're just fucking peasants, you know, like knocking them down a peg. You work for a guy. It's like, oh, so you're just killing peons? Doesn't even serve the purpose of seemingly. What was your motivation to off them? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah you're right
0: <laughs> fuck you <laughs> i also i don't
1: have anything you go
0: <laughs> it also bothered me that ralph fines was like you guys could have left kind of whenever i've done almost nothing to stop you and then everyone heard that and then no one tried to leave <laughs> Like uh Margo gets out yeah. and then no one gets up to follow her. And I'm like, he just told you guys that basically no one's going to stop you. Hong Chow is fucking deadsville. She's not here. Try to leave. And no one did. Didn't make any sense. Um.
1: Yeah, I, I'll be honest. Don't remember that specifically. But boy, that doesn't sound great.
0: all right do you have anything else to say about this or i guess no i do not okay yeah i can i can tell yeah the well has run dry for you
1: um oh boy there's there's no scraping to get any more water out of it once it's dry boy i'm useless uh, (laughs) i love you
0: uh i hope so okay (laughs) you start rating and review
1: um again i've said it numerous times if you don't dig deep on this it's a perfectly enjoyable to movie to watch and just not worry about um uh i'll give it a three and a half
0: um uh i'm gonna give it a a two and a half straight down the middle like again i don't think this is a bad movie like it, it, it goes down pretty easy the comedy of it works pretty well it's just like it doesn't make any sense the the characters are so poorly done the the the, the darkness of it does not work like but it, again it's a relatively easy movie to watch so
1: right.
0: yeah all right well there you have it uh let's get into next week's picks um we are going to continue on with selecting golden globe nominations we're recording this on january 13th oscar nominations get released january 24th so we're 11 short days away from having the actual nominations so uh until then we'll still be picking from the golden globes but hopefully either by next episode or the one after that we'll have the official list of oscar nominations we can start chiseling away at those until then um my next pick will be another golden globe Actually, winner it won Best Motion Picture in the drama category, the fablements
1: And mine will be Marcel, the shell with feet. Shoes on. With shoes on. Damn. I knew it was something I couldn't remember. I thought
0: you were fucking with me at first. <laughs> yes, let's Marcel, go Marcel the shell with shoes on. Yeah. Uh our first foray into there it is. the animated category this year. Yeah. So, uh, check them out. We've done pretty good work. Uh, once we get the Failmans under our belt, under our belt, there'll be all the p- pictures nominated under Best Director um, for a Musical or Comedy. We only have uh, a pairing left, and once we get the Failmans out of the way as well, this will also be all the films that were nominated at the Globes for Best Motion Picture Drama. So we're moving right along. Um, yeah. So check those out by next week maybe or at least episode uh, or don't your choice uh, in the meantime if you'd like to follow the show on twitter you can do so at big screen juice if you'd like to follow Run on twitter you can do so at Corn Heller if you'd like to follow myself on twitter you can do so at Joshua D Tracy if you'd like to send emails to the show you can do so at juicing the big screen at gmail.com and uh, until next time y'all have a good one bye